you have a piece of paper this morning, I'd like you to write down four numbers for me. I want you to write down four numbers for me. If you have a piece of paper, scrap paper, I want you to write these down. Everybody needs to do this. I want you to see it with your own eyes. I want this to make an impact this morning, so please take a piece of paper, a pen, a pencil, scrap paper. I want you to write down four numbers for me. I want you to write down a number two on that piece of paper. Write down the number two. Then I want you to write down a zero somewhere on that piece of paper. Write down a zero. Then I want you to write down the number six. The number six. And the last number I want you to write down is the number nine. So this morning you've written down four numbers. You've written down a two, a zero, and a six, and a nine. You might be saying, preacher, why am I writing down those numbers? Brother, I want you to look at them very carefully. That is the year 2069. And in the year 2069, if the losses we have sustained pre-COVID continue post-COVID, there will not be a church of Christ left. Several years ago, our Christian universities, one of them began to realize that we are in trouble. And so they went to their science department and they said, I want you to do an analytical study on the churches of Christ. I want you to find out what we look like. I want you to find out where we're going. The revelation from these studies was astounding. They found out that two-thirds of our church members are over the age of 50. That's 60%. They found out that only 13% of our church members are under the age of 30. But that means we're a great-headed church. When you begin to put the demographics together, and then you looked at the trend line, they could begin to project where we're going to be one year, five years, ten years, and twenty years from now. And I want to share with you in 2016 what their numbers look like. In 2016, when they commissioned a study, they found out that we had 12,100 churches of Christ in the United States of America. They said if the trend line continued, by the year 2019, we'd have about 11,600 churches of Christ left. They said if it continues like we predict, by the year 2022, we'd have just over 10,000 churches of Christ left. They were spot on. They said 25 years later, 2049, we'd have 3,000 left. They said in 2016, we had roughly 1.2 million members of the Lord's church. They said if the decline continues like we think it's going to by the year 2019, there'll be about 1.4, 1.5 million members left. They said if it continues just like that, 2022, you'll have barely a million members left. That's exactly where we are they said, if you project it out 25 more years, and we keep doing what we've been doing, if the trend line continues, if the projection is accurate, by the year 2049, you'll have just under 300,000 members left. Brethren, if we do not change our culture and our churches, not our doctrine, but if we don't change our culture and begin to understand that evangelism is the mission, there's one mission, if we do not address these issues, these projections will come true. Your God is not going to save the church of Christ because we have church buildings. Our God is not going to save the church of Christ because we're the United States of America. Brethren, he let Israel die. The Ark of the Covenant didn't save them. The false prophets told them not to worry. They said, oh, we'll be okay. And the people listened to those false prophets and from the prison cell, Jeremiah wept. And he wrote the book of Lamentations. Brethren, we're at a pivot point right now. If we continue doing what we have been doing, we will not make it. But the good news this morning is that those are just projections. 
And, and we're not talking about the United States of America. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And brethren, if our king, if Jesus wants the church of Christ to grow, if Jesus sees that his people are willing to take up the mantle and evangelize as they're supposed to, dear friends, we will grow. Those projections are worthless. This morning, you serve an offensive God. You, you serve a God of the offense. He, he's not a God that sits back in the church building. Brother, he, he's a God that wants to fight. He, he's a God that wants to be on the offense. But if our God, if our God this morning sees us sit in our pews any longer, there'll be no fight. Because our God fights for us when we fight for Him. And for far too long, we have sat in our pews and we have allowed... We have allowed our, our membership to deteriorate. We have played uh, the country club model. We're more, we're, we're, we're more concerned about having get-togethers with each other than we are reaching the very lost people in the communities where we live. And in fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, that is the Great Commission. Now I'm afraid it's become the great omission in our nation. We're not doing it. We'll do it in India. We'll go to Honduras. We'll go to Jamaica. Brethren, we'll fill an airplane. And we'll send every dollar we've got to every country in the world when our very people in this land are not getting the gospel of Christ because we don't believe it. We don't believe it works. Jesus said, go ye. He wasn't saying, go me. Brother, when he said, go ye, that's not grammatically correct. I don't know if you sat back and you thought about it, but go ye means go me is not grammatically correct. When he said, go ye, he said, go all. He's plural. Brothers and sisters, the church of Christ will not grow if we don't practice congregational evangelism. If you're expecting 50 people in this church to be responsible for the future of the central church of Christ, you won't make it. The only way for this church to survive is for every member of this congregation to understand you've got a place in the kingdom of God and we need your help. We won't make it without you. You don't have to lead a Bible study. But we need you. You don't have to knock a door, but we need you. Brother, there's something for you this morning. There is something that you need to do. Every one of us has something that we need to do. The Bible could not be more clear, but the body is not one member but many. Every member, everybody has a place. And we have got to understand that the church of Christ must start practicing congregational evangelism. This is not the time for sign-up lists. Brothers, you're in the army of the Lord. You've been enlisted. We're not asking for volunteers. Your elders will assign you. Our elders are going to say, this is where we need you to go. This is what we need you to do. And as I stand before Almighty God to give an account of my life, I will give an account as to whether or not I obeyed my elders. And we need shepherds to rise and lead their churches. We need pulpits to, 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 to preach and, 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 and to encourage and motivate. And we need our church members to do your job. Your preacher cannot do his job without you. Brothers and sisters, you can take all the, the, the potency, all the power away if you don't do what you're good at. 
There are things that this church can do that your preacher can't do. There's things that you can do that your preacher and the elders cannot do. You're needed. You know, we can grow during difficult times. And I'd say we're living in difficult times. And I don't think it's going to get any better. In January of 2020, my family was traveling the nation. We started this school five years ago. All we do is travel the country. I spend 200 nights out of the year in a hotel room. That's what my family does. We go from church of Christ to church of Christ. We just train churches. We're trying to help churches learn to learn how to reach the lost in their neighborhoods. We're trying to help churches wake up, change the culture. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's take those principles of New Testament evangelism and let's learn them and practice them. We're doing our very best. And it's working. Rather than 230 congregations enrolled. And what we're seeing right now is an unbelievable turnaround. We're seeing churches begin to grow for the first time in sometimes decades. We're seeing people come to Christ. And here, here's what I want you to understand this morning. In 2020, we were getting the report of two baptisms every single day. Two every day. And I, I thought to my wife, I, I looked at her, I said, honey, it's working. I said, it's a slow turn. We started with one a day, then we went to two a day. And I, I'm going to tell you where we're at at the end of this lesson. It is exciting. And, I, and we were heading up to, 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 to the Colonelsville, North Carolina, the Linville Forest Church of Christ. And we walked in big church building. Lots of people were there. And we were training the church. And things were going so well. I mean, the, you could see the fire in the members' eyes. You could see the spirit of, of God's people begin to rise up. And during the invitation song, the preacher walked over. He kneeled, he, he, he kneeled down on the floor and he wept. The elders immediately came and surrounded him and hugged him. He got into the pulpit and this is what he said. I have failed. I have not been an example of an evangelist to this church. And from this day forward, we will change. And from that day forward, that church has been amazing. I looked at my wife. I said, they're getting it. I said, honey, they're getting it. I said, we're seeing the change that needs to take place for our churches to make it. We got in our car. We started traveling home. And I got a phone call from my sister. And she says, she said, Robbie, where are you? I said, well, Chrissy, we're heading back home from from North Carolina. She said, Robbie, don't you know we're in pandemic? I said, pandemic? I said, well, what, what kind of pandemic? And she said, Rob, I'm, on the, I'm in the line right now at Sam's in Murfreesboro. We're wrapped around the building. I'm just trying to get food, Rob. She said, do you have any toilet paper? I said, toilet paper? I said, well, what, what for? She said, Rob, you need toilet paper. I said, honey, do we have toilet paper? She said, we have a few rolls. Chrissy said, it's not enough. Go get more. And so we pulled into the DG. We pulled right into the DG. I got out and I said, I, I said, honey, she said, Rob, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting toilet paper. So I went into the DG. I got my, my buggy and I grabbed all of it. And I put it all in the, in, the, in the buggy. I went to the cash register. She says, what are you doing? I said, buying toilet paper. And um, I walked out to the uh, car. My, my kids took a picture of it. I should have shown it this, this morning. And uh, I put it all in the car. And, and, and uh, they were laughing at me. Who's laughing now? We just used our last roll about a year ago. So 
we pulled into our house, and uh, man, I didn't know what was going on. I, I like you, I was clueless. I, I, I just, I just, I just listened to the media reports, and I, I believed their government. Whatever they said, I believed. It. I, I sat in my room, and my phone, my, my, my phone rang, and it was, it was the eldership at Jacksonville, and they said, Rob, we know you're, we know you're just a member here. We need your help. I said, uh, we like Alan and you, and you come up and talk to us. And I said, I'll, I'll come. I got in my car. I, I was completely unprepared for what was about to happen. I had no frame of reference. I'm not here to Monday morning quarterback your eldership. They did the best they could. I sat in a room and the elders looked at us and they said, if the reports are correct, bodies are going to pile up in the streets. The mass pandemic, we think we need to shut down the church. we got to shut the building down. We can't gather. Alan and I looked at each other and we said, we said that, that can't be right. I mean, we've we got to gather. That's, that's what we do. And we, we, we sat for hours trying to figure this out. And I, 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 was, I was no clearer on an answer at the, the, the end than I was at the beginning. The elders made a decision to have a short-term shutdown. And, and, and so I went home and I had to give my family the worst news of our life. We're not going to worship. It didn't feel right. I can't tell you. I, I I don't know about you, but I mean, I felt I I felt lifeless. I, I went to the church building. I was able to go and gather for a limited worship service. They streamed it, and we're doing everything we can to help church members. I'm getting uh, phone calls from elders and preachers. What do we do? And I don't know, but I can tell you, during that period of time, something happened that I wasn't expecting. Something really, really that I, I never even considered, because I was getting a report of two baptisms every single day. And when I got home in mid-March, from mid-March to the end of May, you just get just guess how many baptisms were reported. Zero. There wasn't one baptism reported from the Church of Christ. Brethren, when, when, when people are going into eternity prematurely, when, 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 when people were more receptive, perhaps than they've ever been in their life, where was the Church of Christ? The end of May, I looked at my wife and I said, honey, I said, we can't do this anymore. I said, it's bothering me. I said, we got to get back on the road. We got to wake up some churches. We got to get our doors open. So I, I, I called, I, I, I called the next church. It was Covington and Wayne Dalrymple was one of the elders. And, uh, and uh, I called Wayne. I said, Brother Wayne, I said, I tell you what, I, I said, uh, we're on, you're on the schedule for the first week of June. I said, I, we need, we're supposed to train you guys how to evangelize before coming. He said, Rob, we're not even open. I said, Wayne, I'm coming. I said, you guys can do what you want, but I'm coming. He says, you know what? You're right. He said, Rob, we, we've got to get this church open. He said, we, we've got to train. He said, Rob, he says, you come. I, don't guarantee, I can't guarantee how many people will be there. The church of about 250. We got to that church. 50 people came. They were spread out all over the building. We, we, we did all the things. where We sanitized, pumatized. We did everything we were supposed to do. But brethren, we were there, and we evangelized, and we trained that church. And from that day forward, we went to 32 churches of Christ. We went from Idaho to New Hampshire, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, and in between. When I got back home, the elders at Jacksonville called again, and they said, Rob, we're open. And they said, um, we, we've got to get this church going. We've got children who haven't been to Bible class in months. We, we've got to get, we, we, we can't do this anymore. I said, I understand. 
And they said, Rob, we've got a strange question to ask. And, and, and they said, we may be the only eldership asking this question, but we, we need an answer from you and Alan. They said, do uh, you think we should do vacation Bible school? And I looked at Alan, and I, my, my answer was immediate. I said, yes, absolutely. I said, because we'd be the only ones doing it. I said, this is an opportunity to reach the lost. I said, we've got to do it. And I looked at Alan and said, let's do it. They said, no, we're spread people out. We're, we're going to follow all the protocol. They said, but we think that's an opportunity for this church to grow. I said, I agree. Sure enough, right in the middle of 2020, right in the middle of the summer, we conducted a vacation Bible school. Brother, there were people coming I've never seen before. And sitting on my left was a young man that I did not know, so I just moved on in. I sat down right next to him. I said, my name's Rob. He said, my name's Nick. I said, Nick, can I ask why you're here? He says, my son needs to know the Bible. You're the only church owner. I said, Nick, I'm so glad you're here. I said, Nick, what's your last name? He said, Bethea. I said, wait a minute. Now, now Nick, Nick Bethea. I said, is your, is your wife the one that had the recent kidney transplant? She, he said, yeah. I said, Nick, we've been sending you her cards. I mean, our church, he says, I know. I've got, I got 60, 70 cards from this church. And, he, and I said, Nick, I'm so, I said, is she here? He said, well, she wasn't feeling too good uh, tonight. But I said, Nick, I want to meet her. I said, in fact, I said, I tell you what, I said, my treat, I said, my family would take you and your wife anywhere you want to go to eat. And I said, I said, let's just get to know each other. He said, you know, we need that. And so we picked the only restaurant that was open, which is the Calhoun Steakhouse. It's a local place. We walked in, sat down, we ordered our food. And we just, I got to, we got to meet his wife. It was, it was great. I mean, we, we sat there and visited and she told us about her kidney transplant and how much those prayers had meant and how much those cards had, had lifted her spirits. And as we're sitting there talking and, and, and as we're sitting there getting to know them, uh, I said, I said, I, I've got a question for you guys. And I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the inside, so I don't always know the answers to this. You're on the outside. I said, what do you think about the Jacksonville Church of Christ? And they said, well, we love it. Well, Robert, it's a kind church. I said, we've got more love from this church than any than, than anybody. I said, would you know a lot about the Jacksonville Church? Right? They said, well, no, we don't really know anything about y'all. I said, would you like to know more about the Jacksonville Church of Christ? She said, you know, we really would like to know a little bit more. I said, I just so happen to have these little booklets. And I said, I said, in fact, if you guys would like, I said, we could open our Bibles. And I said, I'll show you what God says about the church. We started with book one and we began. We started running through those lessons. And I tell you what, you should have seen the faith of Jesus Christ begin to germinate in their heart. They'd never done a Bible study in their life. And it was exciting to watch them. I mean, one right after another. And then they were growing. And we went to the study too. And they kept growing. And, and I, I, we were praying about it. The church was praying because here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for the church to see that even during difficult times, we can reach souls. During that third study, they looked at me and they said, Rob, we need to be baptized. And I said, let's go to the baptistry. Brethren, you can baptize in difficult times. And in fact, what we have seen in the history of the church is normally in those difficult times is when the church rises. The church doesn't sit, the church rises. And I'm going to submit to you that we are in those difficult times. That they are coming, that we're experiencing them and they're not going to get any better. So right now, the church of Christ has some decisions to make. Either we sit in our pews and we allow the disintegration of our churches to continue or we arise and evangelize and baptize or we will fossilize. It is up to you. We continue doing what we've been doing. We will not be here. 
We must learn how to practice congregational evangelism. And there was a time in this land when there was no one better. But there was a time in this nation when there was no one better than the Church of Christ. Did you know that in the mid-1970s, there was one member of the Church of Christ for every 84 people in this nation? Can you imagine walking through Paducah and every 84 people you meet is a member of the Church of Christ? Can you imagine going to school and every 84 students you find is a member of the Church of Christ? Can you imagine going to work and 84 employees is a member of the Church of Christ? You know what it is now. Of course, COVID is a lagging number. So the last statistics we got is one out of every 295. Brother, there was a time where our, our, we had men in the, in, in the churches of Christ, and all they did, they were construction workers. And we were growing so fast that all they did was go from city to city and build church buildings. You know those old A-frame church buildings that we have? You know when they have the Bible classes on the side, their elongated auditorium? Do you remember those, Adam? They get the old paneling. We, we still have them all over the nation. The same crew builds all of They literally couldn't get them built fast enough. And, and it was during that time that uh, our religious neighbors saw this. They saw us growing, and, and they were trying to analyze this. In fact, I have some personal notes from one of their conventions as they had in their, in their agenda, why is the Church of Christ growing? You know what they determined? Because they teach the Bible. While they're trying to, to grow using all sorts of modern thrills and thrills, the Church of Christ just teaches the Bible. They evangelize. Number two, they evangelize. They got something called these Jewel Miller film script studies. They go around the entire nation showing them. And their members are doing it, not just their preachers. In fact, we grew so quickly, the only thing they could do to stop us was to make fun of us. So they called you a Campbellite. You ever been called a Campbellite? I remember the first time I was called a Campbellite. I was 16 years old. My mother was a, was a beautician, and she usually cut my hair. And um, she couldn't do it. And she says, son, go down to Luke's gas station. We live in an old country town. She said, there's an old barber there who'll cut your hair. She gave me some money. I drove down. I, I walked into Luke's gas station. That barber is on the left-hand side. I sat down. He started talking. He says, where do you go to church? I said, Northern Oaks Church of Christ. He said, oh, you Campbellite. I had no idea what he was talking about. Because it, it, at one time, that's how they stopped you. They made fun of you. In fact, we grew so quickly that in 1953 to 1957, in the American Oxford Dictionary, something happened. I want to read it to you. An old preacher gave this to me. He's in his 90s. And he's at the Adamsville Church of Christ. And he came up and he actually gave it to me as a gift. He said, preacher, I want you to read this at every seminar you do. So I turned over. I said, what am I looking for? He says, I want you to look at the word Christian. So I opened it up. He says, I want you to read the definition. Now watch this. Pertaining to or deriving from the teachings of Jesus Christ. Pertaining to Christianity. A Christian is a Campbellite, a member of the Church of Christ. No other religion was listed. We grew so quickly, they had to define the word by you. They put you in the dictionary. Brother, we grew so quickly that we were, we were filling church buildings so fast that they, they literally, when they defined the word, they put you in there. Today, most people don't know the difference between a member of the Church of Christ and a Mennonite. They have no idea who you are. Because we don't evangelize. We pay Adam to do that. That's Adam's job. 
We, we pay Noah for that. It's your job, Noah. That's why we pay you. Get out there and evangelize. You know, if this church doesn't grow, we'll get another one. Until we finally get a preacher to grow this church. Preachers don't grow churches. Members. The members grow churches. The average member of the Church of Christ has heard 4,000 sermons. They've sung 20,000 songs. They've participated in 8,000 public prayers. And they've converted zero people to Christ. And we wonder why we're dying. Brethren, I'm asking you to stop playing church. The Lord's Supper isn't a checkbox. You didn't come to sit in a pew and check off your box and go home until Wednesday and Sunday. This, we're much more than that. We are the army of Jesus Christ. There's only one way we're going to turn the trend. We've got to fight for our God. There's a spiritual war going on. And the church of Christ has got to engage. I don't have a lot of time left this morning, so what I'm going to do is very quick. You can write this down in your Evangelism Simplified Guide, but go to your notes section. I'm going to give you seven real quick tools, things that everyone in this auditorium this morning is going to find one of these tools they can use. Everyone. So I don't care what your status is, you're a new Christian, you're an older Christian, you're a young person. Number one, we need members of this church who are trained and willing to conduct personal Bible studies. We need you. It won't be everyone. There are some of you sitting there and say, that's not my cup of tea, that's not, I'm not good at it. That's all right. But we need some of you to do it. We need someone in this church to say, listen, I'm willing to sit down and have a personal one-on-one -on -one Bible study. In Psalm 19 and 7, the Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Dear friends, we need people to study the Bible. That's the only way we'll grow. Bible study. There's different ways to do Bible studies. One of them is a personal Bible study. And we have tools. Back to the Bible. It is simple, scriptural, and successful. Nine out of every ten people my wife and I have studied with have obeyed the gospel using it. In fact, we've got a baptism to do when we get home, and I can't wait. She's on lesson number three. Brother, in the last five years, we've had two people not do it. This is a successful study. If you want to bring your neighbor to Christ, I'm encouraging you, you learn how to use back to the Bible. And if they don't believe in the Bible, they don't believe in God, they learn how to use believe in the Bible. Because there are people out here in this world who don't believe in God. And in fact, 47% of this nation believes in God. That means 50, 50, let's see, 53% don't believe in God. And so you're going to try to take them to the Bible. They don't even believe the Bible. You're going to have to use a different lure. They're at a different location. Maybe sometimes we need to use doesn't matter. Maybe someone's been raised in the church. They've never obeyed the gospel. Maybe they need a little bit more study. We use doesn't matter. I don't know a fisherman out there that goes fishing with one lure. Number two. During COVID, I got a phone call from a man by the name of Eric Sykes. I didn't know him. He lives up in Baltimore, Maryland. And Hey, hey Eric, what can I do for you? He said, man, Rob, I love your evangelism stuff. I, I got it from World Video Bible School. I got those back to the Bibles. Man, I was baptizing people left. And uh, Rob, when this COVID thing hit, man, it really, it really hurt my evangelism efforts because nobody wants to see me. Nobody wants to talk to me. And he said, Rob, so I decided to use Zoom. 
But brother, let me let me make an illustration this morning. Before COVID, before COVID hit, before 2020, how many of you used Zoom before 2022? Okay, put your hands down. All right, we are in Paducah. All right, and it's okay. It's it, that's that's pretty much the typical answer I get. All right, let's go to let's go to the next question. How many of you know of Zoom now? Raise your hand. <laughs> isn't that isn't that something? The entire nation has in just a few years transformed because now everybody understands Zoom. We were, we were driving home from Idaho, and we had been training a church in, in Twin Falls. And we, we, we came home, and as I was going down this, this interstate, no one was on the interstate, my phone, I don't know about your phone, but there's a vent, and we have a little device to hold the phone on the vent. My phone was there, and all of a sudden, this picture of a 90-year-old lady pops on my phone. And it's ringing me. She's Zooming me. And uh, I, I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And she says, Rob, she says, uh, she said, what do you think about that food I gave you before you left? I said, hello. This is a sister from Twin Falls. She's in her 90s, and she's Zooming. Brethren, if she can Zoom, you can Zoom, I promise. I said, Eric, uh, he said, Rob, I've been doing Bible studies using Zoom. He said, I literally contact my friends and say, hey, you got some time. We'll do this. I got this little study. And he said, man, I, Rob, we're baptizing people. I said, man, Eric, that is a great idea. And, and sure enough, it wasn't just a few weeks later, Sherry, Sherry Spencer from Sparta, Missouri calls me. And she says, Rob, we, we can't evangelize because I can't get to nobody. And I, I, Rob, I really want to have a Bible study with my sister. She lives out east. Rob, she said, I can't get there. How am I going to do a Bible study now? I said, Zoom. She said, what? I said, Zoom. I said, I'll send you the PowerPoints, put the Bible study on Zoom, do the Bible study. She did it. Three weeks later, she calls me. She says, hey, Rob, my sister wants to be baptized. I'm so excited, Rob. She said, but Rob, who's going to baptize her? I said, where does she live? She lives in Maryland, Eric Zeiss. He's baptized 50 people in two years. You can use a digital study. Now, a virtual study is different than a digital study because in a digital study, brethren, what you're going to notice is that uh, that it's not it, a, a digital study is a one-sided study. When you're in a virtual study, there's some interaction from both sides, so it's better than digital. A digital study means there's no interaction from the other side; they're just watching it. So, World Video Bible School called me the year of 2020, and they said, "Rob, can I get you out to, to Maxwell, Texas?" They said, "We want you to film a Bible study because people need it right now. We could be sending these all over our communities." I said, "Okay." I said, let's try Does It Matter? So we went out there to World Video Bible School, and, and Matt Kane, he looks at me, and they've got some of the finest studios in the nation. It's an amazing place. And that camera's looking right at me. He said, Rob, I want you to convert the camera. So I looked into that camera, and that's my prospect, and I did everything I could to convert the camera. When I got to baptism, I finished the study. Matt looked behind the camera, and he said, Rob, the camera wants to be baptized, but we won't let it. It's too expensive. Brother, we need to do a digital study. I mean, you, you can hand these out. All you got to do is give it to somebody. Say, well, I, my, my friends don't use DVD players anymore. On the back side, there's a QR code. I promise they use it. You can't order at a restaurant without a QR code. And so we can, we can certainly use a QR code. That's a digital study. Let's go to number four very quickly. We can do group studies. And some people won't do one-on-one -on -one studies, but they will do a group study. In fact, I got a brother right now. His name Brandon Glover. And Brandon's amazing. 
and he, 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 owns, he owns a machine shop, and there's an old church building that's not been used in years. He bought the church building. He bought it. And then he's, he's, he's fixed it up, and all he did is put a sign out there and says, we're going to have a, Bible, a general Bible study. He didn't call it the Church of Christ. He didn't put any, any designation on it at all. He said, here every Tuesday night. The first time they had 23 members of the community come for that general group study. Last, last, was it last Thursday, he had 43 come. He said, Rob, none of them are Christians. And, I, and he called me and he said, Rob, how do I do it? I said, I do not use back to the Bible. Because the problem one person has will be the problem everybody has. I said, but you can study the book of John. Study the book of Mark. You should take a general book, study it. People love group studies. Community studies. You can do it during your lunch break at work. You can say, hey, I'm going to have a little study for about 30 minutes every day. If anybody wants to join me, we're going to study the book of John. And during that period of time, you're going to notice there's some people really interested. Brandon's already told me, I got six, Rob, that are really interested. He says, I need you to send me back to the Bible. He will take them one at a time and teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's very effective. Number five. We can do correspondence courses. I don't know why every church of Christ during COVID didn't open up the phone book or get on the internet and, and send correspondence courses to every household in the city because people were sitting at home. They couldn't go anywhere. Brethren, we could have taken those old correspondence courses, the John Hurt series or maybe the, the Apologetics Press series or the House to House series. We could have taken those correspondence courses and we could have mailed them. World Bible School has got some, some great Bibles and I know you were giving them out. Brethren, we can send these everywhere, and we didn't. I don't know a church that did. Well, it's not too late. Maybe you're sitting there in the pew, and you're saying, Rob, I, I just don't think I can do a personal Bible study. Can you send a correspondence course? I'll, what I want you to do is grab a correspondence course, go home. I want you to write a, a little sweet note. I want you to seal it up. I want you to send it to your neighbor I promise you're a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. If you do nothing, you'll get nothing. We can give them books. Some people just love to read. There are a lot of people coming to Christ because of these two tools. Because of Muscle in a Shuffle, Transformed, Reborn. Because of Michael Shank and Lance Mosier, we've got people right now coming to know Jesus and they won't do a Bible study, they won't watch a video, they won't come to a group study, but they'll sit in their den at night and they'll read these books and we've got people being baptized number seven. Can you pass out literature? Can you leave something at the doctor's office? Can you put something, a door hanger on a door? Can you hand someone at work a track? What to expect when you visit the Church of Christ by Alan Webster is one of the most popular tracks in the kingdom. We print those by the tens of thousands, and they go out every month. We can give those out. That's something you can do. But here's the, the question I've got, and I want, to make this, I want to make this very pointed, so please listen to me. I want to know where you fit into this. Which one are you doing? Someone said, Preacher, I just don't think this is going to work. I like my way of doing things better than your way of not doing and I guarantee it works. And you'll have no doubt when I'm finished. We got home late that summer, and Kate, Kate Summers, one of our the associate preacher, gave me a call, and he said, "Hey, Rob, I've got a lady, and she she's called, and she says she wants to come to our church. She's got house to house, heart to heart." I said, "Great, Kate." I said, "Kate, uh, I said, what's your name? Her name's Tony." 
I said, man, I cannot wait to meet her. I said, that's, I said, Kate, I should be home Sunday. He said, Rob, I'm going to pick her up. So sure enough, Kate picked her up, brought her to the church services, you know, and uh, he starts getting to know her. He says, Miss Tony, can I ask why you reached out to us? She says, because my church is closed. Where do you go to church, Tony? She says, I go to the Jehovah Witness Church. Good. Keep it closed. I want every church that doesn't teach the Word of God to close their doors. Brothers and sisters, I want the church of Christ to keep their doors open. She says, I can't stand it. I can't sit in my apartment any longer. She said, she said, they tell me I'm going to die if I get out. My family says, you're going to die if you get out of that. I've been in the apartment for three months. Mr. Kate, if I sit in that apartment any longer, I'm going to die. I've got to get out. And she says, I'm coming to church. And y'all are open. Okay. So Kate gets to know her. He calls me. He tells me about all this information. And then, uh, then he, uh, I said, Kate, I'll be home soon. I said, I want to meet Tony. I'll, I'll pick her up next time. Sure enough, Nicole and I picked her up, got to know her, and she's so she's a sweet lady. I mean, she's she's in her what, in the late seventies and just as nice as she could be. And her husband's passed away. She's she's got a little nice apartment, and uh, and uh, I I just so happened to ask. I said, Tony, I said, uh, would you like to get a bite to eat? And she says, Oh, that'd be wonderful. And so we went to a little restaurant, we're eating, and I said, Now, Tony, I said, uh, What do you got planned for this week? Anything exciting? She said, It's my birthday. I said, well, man, that's wonderful. I bet you're excited. She said, no, I'm not. I said, well, why not? And she said, no one will celebrate it. My family thinks I'm going to die. She said, no one, it's COVID. I said, Tony, we'll celebrate. Really? I said, yeah, we'll celebrate. So sure enough, we had a little celebration, birthday celebration. I said, Tony, where do you want to go? She said, well, I really like Red Lobster. I said, let's go to Red Lobster. So I called Kim Bullock, another one of our new converts. I said, Kim, I really need you to help me. I said, we've got to bring Tony to Christ, and Tony's lonely. I said, Kim, I need your help. She said, well, Rob, what can I do? I said, just call her. And she says, call her? Well, what do I say? What do I do, Rob? I mean, how do I? I said, Kim, just be Kim. Call her. I know what's going to happen. Kim never gets off the phone. And she needs to be on the phone. I said, Kim, she said, well, Rob, I'll call her if you want to. But sure enough, Tony, we're saying, Tony said, this nicest lady called me. Her name's Kim. We're talking all the time. I said, wonderful. It's not me. And so, uh, so in any case, I said, uh, I said, Kim, would you like to come with us to Red Lobster? We had a great time. And then we set the next appointment. We went to Cracker Barrel. Always eat. And so we're sitting there eating. I'm saying, Tony, I said, I got a question for you. What do you think about the Jacksonville Church of Christ? She says, I love this church. They're sending me cards all the time. And she said, they're so nice. And, oh, Rob. I said, well, Tony, do you know a lot about the Church of Christ? I don't know really anything about y'all. Tony, would you like to know more about it? She said, I sure would. I just so happened to have these little booklets. I said, Tony, can we go to your apartment, maybe sit down, and we'll open our box? Oh, yes, I'd love that, Rob. So we go to the apartment, and I'm looking for the kitchen table. That's where I do my Bible stuff. She does not have a kitchen table. I don't know what it is about older ladies in the, when, when, when they come to a certain age. They always sell their kitchen table, and they have the TV, they have the TV tables. And she said, Rob, they're in the closet. So I got the TV tables out. I set them up. We get back to the Bible. She loved it. We came back for numbers two. She loved it. We came back for study three, and we're going through that study. And uh, I said, Tony, can you tell me a little bit about your uh, salvation experience? And she says, yeah. She says, I grew up in the Salvation Army Church. Rob, it is a church. And they ring their bell, make sure you know that they're a church. 
And she says, Rob, I was sprinkled. Sprinkled, okay. I said, Tony, let's just keep doing the study. We got to Acts chapter 8, 35 through 39. We're reading about the Ethiopian eunuch who went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And they came up out of the water, and he rejoiced. And I looked up, and I could see tears coming out of Tony's eyes. I think I know why. She's honest. She noticed something's wrong. She said, Rob. I said, what's wrong, Tony? She said, Rob, I didn't do that. I said, what did you do? I was sprinkled, Rob. She says, Rob, I, don't, I didn't do that. I said, I said, Tony, do you think you need to be baptized like they did in the Bible? I do, but Rob, I've got a problem. I said, what is it? She said, I'm afraid of the water, Rob. I said, Tony, I said, it's going to be okay. I've never lost one yet. I said, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, how about if I call Cade? Alan's out of town, and I'll ask Cade to come, and we'll both hold you. Oh, I need that, Rob. So Nicole and I called Cade, and we brought him. We went up to the church building, and we got coach. She's shaking. I said, Tony, it'll be okay. I said, this is what's going to happen. I explained it to her very carefully. I said, Tony, I want you to hold your nose, and we're going to, we're going to take a deep breath, and it'll be very quick. And I said, I'm in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And she said, okay, Rob. And we did it, and she went down, and she opened her mouth. And all the water came in. And she, she came up out of the water coughing, and, and I, I felt terrible. I was holding her, you know, and patting her, trying to help her. And she looked up at me. She said, Rob, you tried to kill me. We baptized 17 that year. In order for the central church of Christ to grow, you need to set a goal. How many do you want to baptize this year? Put it on the board. Forget the attendance. Put it on the board. How many Bible studies you got going on? Forget the contribution. Put it on the board. How many visitors came because you invited them? Put it on the board. How many baptisms do we have? Put it on the board. Brother, you got metrics at work. You have goals. Do you have a vacation fund? Do we, do we work hard to try to achieve goals? Let's achieve a goal. 10%. Let's baptize 15 people. 16 people. I don't know if you are a financial advisor or if you have one, but I can tell you what mine does. He says, we want to see your fund grow 10% a year for seven years because you'll double. It's called the rule of seven. Baptize 10% of your membership for seven years and you will double. I don't know where you're going to put them, but you will. Brethren, the church of Christ can grow. Now let me share with you some really good news. And I'll offer the invitation. 2020, we did not let COVID shut down evangelism. So we traveled the nation and we saw 370 baptisms. It's not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough. 2021, we kept going. 52 churches we trained that year. 649 baptisms. It's not enough. In 2022, we covered 45 churches, enrolled 18 remote churches, and we had 980 baptisms. And as of this morning, since we started our school in the summer of 2018, we have 3,400 baptisms. And we didn't have to go to India. That's in the United States of America. If the church of Christ is going to survive, it will survive. Because we arise. Evangelize. Baptize. Or you will fossilize.
This church has an incredible opportunity right now. Your elders are ready. They're passionate men. Did you know we stayed Friday evening for two lessons? I didn't get into the hotel late. They got up Sunday morning. About a fourth, maybe, of this congregation got up on Sunday, Saturday morning. And they came out here to learn how to do this. All day long. And then after that, the elders met with me. They wouldn't let me go. We sat there and talked and talked. They're so excited. Adam is... He, he, he is a passionate soul winner. I love Adam and his family. I've always loved his family because I know this family loves souls. And all these elders and all these, these preachers, all, Noah, all they want to see is for this church to make disciples. They want to see this church grow. Brethren, they cannot do it without you. You don't do your job. They can't do theirs. May God bless the Central Church of Christ to make disciples. You're not a Christian. What are you waiting on? Nothing else matters. There's one mission in life, and if you miss this, you miss it all. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess His name. He is the King of Kings. He is your Commander in Chief. Why don't you be buried with him in the watery grave of baptism? What are you waiting on? You've not done that. He'll add you to the church. You can, you can, you can join us right here at, at Central. You can be a member of the Lord's church. And with that, membership becomes a responsibility that we focus on the one mission. And if you have failed to do that in your life, said, I have never been a part of the one mission. Now's the time to make that change. Maybe you need to come publicly. Because you need that encouragement. These elders will pray for you. These preachers will wrap their arms around you. And together, this church will save souls. We can help you this morning. You come as together we stand as we sing.